Welcome to Thoreau's Leaves, a podcast dedicated to excerpts from the journal of Henry David Thoreau. I'm your host, M. Allen Cunningham. June 11th, 1851, Wednesday. Last night, a beautiful summer night, not too warm, moon not quite full after two or three rainy days, walked to Fairhaven by railroad, returning by Potter's Pasture and Sudbury Road. I feared at first that there would be too much white light, like the pale remains of daylight, and not a yellow, gloomy, dreamier light, that it would be like a candlelight by day. But when I got away from the town and deeper into the night, it was better. I hear whippoorwills and see a few fireflies in the meadow. I saw by the shadows cast by the inequalities of the clayey sandbank in the deep cut that it was necessary to see objects by moonlight as well as sunlight to get a complete notion of them. This bank had looked much more flat by day when the light was stronger, but now the heavy shadows revealed its prominences. The prominences are light made more remarkable by the dark shadows which they cast. When I rose out of the deep cut into the old pigeon place field, I rose into a warmer stratum of air, it being lighter. It told of the day, of sunny noontide hours, an air in which work had been done, which men had breathed. It still remembered the sunny banks, of the laborer wiping his brow, of the bee humming amid flowers, the hum of insects. Here is a puff of warmer air which has taken its station on the hills, which has come up from the sultry plains of noon. I hear the night hawks uttering their squeaking notes high in the air now at nine o'clock p.m., and occasionally, what I do not remember to have heard so late, their booming note. It sounds more as if under a cope than by day. The sound is not so fugacious, going off to be lost amid the spheres, but is echoed hollowly to earth, making the low roof of heaven vibrate. Such a sound is more confused and dissipated by day. The whippoorwill suggests how wide asunder are the woods and the town. Its note is very rarely heard by those who live on the street, and then it is thought to be of ill omen. Only the dwellers on the outskirts of the village hear it occasionally. It sometimes comes into their yards. But go into the woods in a warm night at this season, and it is the prevailing sound. I hear now five or six at once. It is no more of ill omen, therefore, here than the night and the moonlight are. It is a bird not only of the woods, but of the night side of the woods. New beings have usurped the air we breathe, rounding nature, filling her crevices with sound to sleep where you may hear the whippoorwill in your dreams. I hear from this upland, from which I see watches it by day, a wagon crossing one of the bridges. I have no doubt that in some places tonight I should be sure to hear every carriage which crossed a bridge over the river within the limits of Concord, for in such an hour and atmosphere the sense of hearing is wonderfully assisted and asserts a new dignity and we become the heralds of the story. The late traveler cannot drive his horse across the distant bridge, but this still and resonant atmosphere tells the tale to my ear. 
circumstances are very favorable to the transmission of such a sound. In the first place, planks so placed and struck like a bell swung near the earth emit a very resonant and penetrating sound. Add that the bell is, in this instance, hung over water, and that the night air, not only on account of its stillness, but perhaps on account of its density, is more favorable to the transmission of sound. If the whole town were a raised, planked floor, what a din there would be. I hear some whippoorwills on hills, others in thick wooded vales, which ring hollow and cavernous like an apartment or cellar with their note, as when I hear the working of some artisan from within an apartment. I now descend round the corner of the grain field, through the pitch-pine wood into a lower field, more enclosed by woods, and find myself in a colder, damp and misty atmosphere, with much dew on the grass. I seem to be nearer to the origin of things. There is something creative and primal in the cool mist. This dewy mist does not fail to suggest music to me, unaccountably. Fertility. The origin of things. An atmosphere which has forgotten the sun, where the ancient principle of moisture prevails. It is laden with the condensed fragrance of plants and as it were, distilled in dews. The woodland paths are never seen to such advantage as in a moonlight night, so embowered, still opening before you almost against expectation as you walk. You are so completely in the woods, and yet your feet meet no obstacles. It is as if it were not a path, but an open, winding passage through the bushes which your feet find. Now I go by the spring, and when I have risen to the same level as before, find myself in the warm stratum again. The woods are about as destitute of inhabitants at night as the streets. In both there will be some night walkers. There are but few wild creatures to seek their prey. The greater part of its inhabitants have retired to rest. Ah, that life that I have known! How hard it is to remember what is most memorable! We remember how we itched, not how our hearts beat. I can sometimes recall to mind the quality, the immortality of my youthful life, but in memory is the only relation to it. The very cows have now left their pastures and are driven home to their yards. I meet no creature in the fields. I hear the night warbler breaking out as in his dreams, made so from the first for some mysterious reason. Our spiritual side takes a more distinct form, like our shadow which we see accompanying us. I do not know, but I feel less vigor at night. My legs will not carry me so far, as if the night were less favorable to muscular exertion, weakened us, somewhat as darkness turns plants pale. But perhaps my experience is to be referred to being already exhausted by the day, and I have never tried the experiment fairly. Yet sometimes after a hard day's work I have found myself unexpectedly vigorous. It was so hot summer before last that the Irish laborers on the railroad worked by night instead of day for a while, several of them having been killed by the heat and cold water. I do not know but they did as much work as ever by day. 
Yet methinks nature would not smile on such labors. Only the hunters and harvest moons are famous. But I think that each full moon deserves to be, and has its own character, well marked. One might be called the midsummer night moon. The wind and water are still awake. At night you are sure to hear what wind there is stirring. The wind blows, the river flows without resting. There lies Fairhaven Lake, undistinguishable from fallen sky. The pines seem forever foreign, at least to the civilized man, not only their aspect but their scent and their turpentine. So still and moderate is the night. No scream is heard, whether of fear or joy. No great comedy nor tragedy is being enacted. The chirping of crickets is the most universal, if not the loudest sound. There is no French revolution in nature, no excess. She is warmer or colder by a degree or two. By night, no flowers, at least no variety of colors. The pinks are no longer pink. They only shine faintly, reflecting more light. Instead of flowers underfoot, stars overhead. Thorough's Leaves is read by M. Allen Cunningham and produced by Atelier 26 Books, publisher of Funny Ass Thoreau, the first ever compendium of Thoreau's humor. Visit us at atelier26books.com. You can support this podcast at anchor.fm slash Thoreau's Leaves. Thank you for listening. So long for now.